Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 11th chapter. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. After this, then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and you are going there again. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world, but those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, however, had been speaking about his death that they thought he was merely referring to sleep. And Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. When she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary, came, when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came out with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved them. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. 
Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. good singing this morning. Very, very good. I'm always impressed at how good you guys actually do that. That's very neat. We're going to do some reviewing. We're going to do some reviewing. Way back, like four weeks ago. There's love again. That's right. We were studying the building blocks, the foundations of what we believe as Christians. Can everybody look at my nose? Right here. And now look at where my hand is. What was our very first building block? Yes. No, all four of them. Love. Our building block is love. The love of God for you and for me and for all people, no matter what. That's the very first building block. Everything we believe and everything we know about God is built on that love. And then the second week, we talked about our baptism. So we had a water jar right there. But what's on the water jar? Yeah. A cross, which tells us that the same waters that washed over your head and washed over your head and washed over my head, those same waters that tell us that God loves us very, very much, those waters are for all people. All people, all people, all people. Hands down. Hands down. And then the next week, we looked at the flashlight. And while it's good for telling scary stories... It also told us what? Yes. That Jesus is the light of the world. Very, very good. And when the light of the world shines on us, we see exactly what is there. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But no matter what, we remember. God loves us. God loves all people. God tells the truth about who we are. And in that truth, God loves us. So, this last week, I have this. Yep, kind of, almost. What is this? Do you guys recognize it? 
It's a white cloth. That's right. And what do we use it for? Oh. It's okay, Finn. Cooper. That's fine. What do we use it for? Actually, it goes under the bread. Under the bread. It goes under the bread. Now, Jack, you've been taking First Communion lately, haven't you? And so have you, Lorenzo. I remember that. What is the bread during communion? What is the bread? It is Jesus' what? Yeah. It's Jesus' body. There you go. See? They're studying a lot, aren't they? On this white cloth, we put Jesus' body. Because just like in the tomb... Just like in Easter. Can everybody look at my nose? Thank you. Just like in the tomb, just like at Easter, this holds Christ's body, but it is lifted up and is given for all people. It is freed. It is not wrapped up any longer. So, what does it mean to have an empty cloth? What does it mean when the tomb is empty and there is no one there? Yes. God rose. Very good. That is for us too. Today we hear about Lazarus, who is wrapped up in one of these claws. He's wrapped up, let's see, Cooper, can I wrap you up? No? Phineas, can I wrap you up? No, wrap Ava up. Ava, can I wrap you up? Sit right here in the middle. It's not that much wrapping. There you go. Ava is wrapped up. Ava, Lazarus, was wrapped up in the tomb, couldn't see, and was actually dead. Completely dead. And after four days, Jesus came back and brought life back. And what do you think happened? Yeah. She rose. Yay! Exactly. There was nothing else in the cloth. When we see an empty white cloth like this, when we see it empty, we know that not only Jesus rose, but that Jesus gives life to everybody. Whether they live, whether they die, no matter what, Jesus gives life. Now that's kind of a hard concept to grasp whether you're, whether you're a child or an adult or anywhere in between. But when Jesus gives life, why does Jesus give life? Because God loves us. God gives life to what God loves. God loves us. We will surely have life and joy and all those kind of silly things. Very good. Should we pray? Let's pray. Claire, you ready to pray? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for life and for joy and for resurrection. We give you thanks for life that never ends, even when we die. We give you thanks that we no longer have to fear anything, for you are with us. Your love follows us, and you guide us all our days. Thank you for being our God, and thank you for making us your people. In your name we pray. Amen.
In the name of Jesus, amen. It's hard to believe that we're at the fifth Sunday in Lent. It's hard to believe that we've gone this far already. Or maybe it's very easy to believe it's been five Sundays, I'm not sure. But for me, it's hard to believe. Way back on the first Sunday, Pastor Richard Jorgensen was with us. But we remembered that in the midst of our Lenten journey, there would be temptation. There would be things to distract us. There would be things to break us from our regular routine as Christians. And so we studied. We studied what our baptismal calling is and what the center of our faith is. And in that second week, we looked at Nicodemus and we looked at Jesus and their meeting in the middle of the night. And at its core, we remembered that the stories that happened long ago are our stories. They are our family's stories. They tell us who we are. And at our core, we understand that who we are are beloved children of God. You and me and the whole world. Loved. Loved. And so, after that second week came the third week, and we met Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. And there we became wondrously and frustratingly confused. Because the waters of baptism that show us that love began to trickle out into places that we didn't expect. We saw Jesus with the Samaritan woman, who was not of the same faith, who was not of the same understanding. And yet, at the same time, Jesus was there giving her the water too. And so in the midst of our confusion, we also were grounded in the table, understanding that while we may not understand what God is doing at all times, and while we may not understand the width and the breadth of the love of God and for the whole world at that, we do understand that where Jesus goes, we can boldly follow. And that fourth week, last week, we looked at the blind man receiving his sight again, and while that seems to be a good thing, we saw that as Jesus claims to be the light of the world, that light shines a light in our hearts, showing us exactly who we are and how we react. When grace is given to us, usually we do pretty well with that, sometimes. And when grace is given to others, and sometimes we have a little bit more difficult time with that. With the blind man who received his sight again, they had many trials and many questions for that man and how what it meant that he received his sight and who gave him back his sight. When we, when we see grace and mercy from God going out to people who are unlike us, sometimes we struggle in the same way. But once again, at the core of our understanding, at the core of who we are, God loves us. God loves you and me and all people, no matter what. But this fifth Sunday... This fifth Sunday, we have something that is difficult to understand. I've broken it, at least in my mind, down into two ways that it's difficult to understand. One, it's difficult to understand when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. It's difficult to understand both what the words themselves mean and what Jesus means for us and for our lives. Let's start with the words. When Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, these words can taste a little foreign. The resurrection is something that we associate with Jesus. 
and maybe we associate with our own selves in some by and by time. But Jesus makes the claim for here and now. I am the resurrection and the life. When Martha goes up to Jesus and says, Surely if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died, but even now I know that whatever you ask for will be granted to you. Do you believe? Or Christ responds with, Your brother will rise again. Martha responds, Surely he'll rise again on the last day. I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection is now. Life is now. Resurrection is not metaphorical. And resurrection is not an analogy. Resurrection isn't something other than. Resurrection is the lifting up of our bodies in the midst of death. The becoming alive again where there is a stench. The resurrection is what we see in Jesus. Fully dead and life being born into that. I know that resurrection doesn't make any sense. And this sermon is not meant to say resurrection somehow overshadows or is in spite of what we see in everyday life and what we experience, what we know through science and medication and everything else. I know very clearly, thanks to this job, that death does not mean that the individual rises up again in three days, in four days, in however many days. I know very clearly that when there's death, there's a feeling of permanence, that when there's death, there's a feeling of irreversibleness. When there's death, you are dead. I've seen this many times. I've experienced this a few. Death does not mean you stand up again. And yet, resurrection is not, and it does not try to ignore death. Resurrection does not try to explain away death. Resurrection says that this happens in death. We must be intimately familiar with death. We must die to have resurrection. I am the resurrection, says Jesus. Not something that just makes sunny days better. Not just something that brings a smile to your face. Not just something that explains away the bad things of this life. I am the thing. I am the one that brings life into death. I am the one that creates life out of death. I am the one that changes death. and the life. Jesus points to himself not just as someone who has life and not just as someone who gives life, but as someone who is life. I am the resurrection and the life. In Jesus, we see what it means to live life fully and wholly. 
There is more than one way to die, after all. You can be dead in your heart long before you are dead in your body. You can be dead in your spirit long before you are dead in your body. You can be dead in your strength long before you are dead in your body. There are so many ways to die. I don't need to tell you all of them. And once again, Jesus does not seek to ignore this, but Jesus wants to embrace this and state it clearly as the light of the world, so that when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, there is no doubting that Jesus is talking about this. About real death. About real life. So now, so now that perhaps we know what Jesus' words mean, let's talk about what Jesus means. When Jesus is walking through Bethany and Galilee and Jerusalem, Jesus sees our dead. Jesus sees our life. And Jesus knows what it is that we go through. And when Jesus says that I am the resurrection and the life to a family whom he loves, he understands very clearly that people do not get up and walk again. He understands very clearly that Lazarus, who is about to stand up and walk out of the tomb, is the exception. So, what do we do with that? What do we do with resurrection that seems just a little too magical to be in this world that we actually live in? What do we do with life that seems too idealistic to make sense in the realities in which we play. We are, we claim, a resurrection people. And that means when we see death, we believe beyond what makes sense and beyond what we know to be true that it can change. When we see the death in our society, whether it's people dying of hunger, or it's people dying of loneliness, whether it's people dying in suffering and in want needlessly, we know that that has been happening for generations and will happen for generations. And at the same time, we understand that God as resurrection and life works among us and can change it. That God, who is resurrection and life, can actually pull into the depths of what is dying and what is dead and what has long been dead. Bring it up out. When we see a church that is weakening, we see God put life, not into the midst of a weakness, but into the midst of a death. When we see hearts that are hardened toward neighbor and toward self, we see God move into a place where there shouldn't be any change and create change there. Where we see insurmountable society picking at one another, struggling with one another, not thinking about the life that is in each human being, but thinking about self. When we see that, 
We know that it has been around since the time of Solomon and will be around until that time again. But we also understand as resurrection people that God can change it. Resurrection, yes, will be on the last day. Resurrection, yes, will bring us together around God's holy table. But resurrection, yes, is right now. But it's good to be honest. We know that Christ has died and Christ has risen and Christ will come again. Which means that we already have the resurrection here and is with us and is among us. And yet, you and I both know that they're still sick. They're still dying. Society's still what it was. Even as God makes those claims. How long must we wait, O Lord, for the world to change? How, how long must we wait, O Lord, for sickness to leave us? How, how long must we wait, O Lord, for resurrection to happen? We live in between. We live in between life and life. But like I said, we know death intimately that we can be resurrected intimately. If you smell the stench of death around you in this world, it's because that's where resurrection happens. If you smell the stench of death in your own life, it's because that's where God acts. If you smell the death, the stench of death in your church, in your families, in your workplace, in your society, that smell tells you that yes, things are dead and yes, God will act. And just as the body of Christ made I am statements when Christ was living, the body of Christ now, you and me and all of God's baptized, we are the ones whom God will use to create the most ridiculous things in this world. Life in the midst of very true death. A new society in the midst of the one that we've always known. A living, breathing, thriving church in the midst of the one that struggles. Resurrection is now. Life is now. Thanks be to God for the cross that leads us to it. May we boldly die with Christ. May we smell the stench of that death. And in it, may Christ breathe and give new life. I am terrified. But thanks be to God. Amen.